Hello, everyone. Thanks again for joining us this week on Order Up, the podcast from the National Restaurant Association. I'm Carly McBride, Content Communications Manager and your host for this week. Before we get started, here's your reminder. Make sure you're subscribed to Order Up on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform so all our new releases go automatically into your podcast feed. June is here, and we are celebrating Pride Month. It's an important time to recognize the impact the LGBTQ community makes on the restaurant and food service industry. Restaurants play a key part of this inclusivity experience, and everyone is welcome to the table. I'm excited to introduce today's two guests, and joining me for this discussion is Damian Hanft, Vice President and Brand and Culture Ambassador for Inspire Brands. I'm also joined by Isaac Rocha, Director of West Zone, McDonald's, and Chief Inclusion Officer at Bama Companies. Both Damian and Isaac are also members of the Board of Directors for MFHA, which is the Multicultural Food Service and Hospitality Alliance. Damian and Isaac, thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. We're really excited to share both of your stories. So let's get started. Damien, can you start us off by introducing yourself and telling us a bit more about your professional and personal story? For sure. Happy to. Thank you for having both of us, Carly. I'm a teacher and a learner in it for the purpose at Inspire Brands. I've been part of the hospitality and restaurant industry since I was 15. It was really my first job, if you will. Started off at Arby's of all brands. After I started as a teenager, there was one summer I remember working part-time in basically a cube. Absolutely hated it. I hated it. There was the four hours go by so slow versus an eight or 10 hour day in the restaurant industry just flew by. And it was at that moment that I really knew that the hospitality industry was for me. It's so cool to be in an environment that has such a rich diversity of people coming together. So many different personal stories that really make up what the hospitality industry is. From a personal perspective, I live in Minneapolis with my partner, Luke, of 10 years. We love experiencing new cultures, both within our backyard, as well as the joy of travel. We tend to be more of a go off the beaten path versus um, experiencing things that are kind of mainstream, if you will. And with that, I identify as a openly gay man, came out directly after high school. And I think that one of the things that helped me with that process was being part of the restaurant industry and having a very supportive work team that helped with the process. So that's a little bit about my personal and my professional self. Thank you for sharing. Isaac, can you tell us a bit about you? Sure. And, and to echo Damien, thank you so much for allowing us to tell our, our, our own stories during your podcast. Um, so I'm Isaac Rochin. I am from Tulsa, Oklahoma, and born and raised, went to university and started working for a global food manufacturing company, which I never saw myself ever staying at long-term, was not part of my dreams as a, as a university student. So I'm working as the associate to the CEO and moved myself up to my current role, previously through HR, running our corporate foundation, government relations, and now currently running our the West Division of our U.S. business for McDonald's, and also our chief inclusion, running our inclusion diversity uh, initiatives. Um, and so although I'm from Tulsa, Oklahoma, and spent most of my life there. For the last five years, I've been in Southern California, currently in San Diego, and um, I'm really excited to see what our conversation has for today. And I've been with BMO for 12 years. And just for those 
individuals that don't know who Bama is or what Bama is because we're not a name brand. We're, uh, we manufacture pizza crust, pies, biscuits for the largest QSRs in the United States. You might be familiar with McDonald's Pies. We're the original founder of that. We make about 6 million pies a day just to give you a little bit of a footprint. And we distribute into 33 countries out of our seven locations. Great. Thank you very much for that. Isaac, while you have the mic, let's stay with you here. How has Pride Month impacted your work and your career? I think Pride Month, especially coming from a very conservative state and industry, I remember first being very cognizant of what I would wear to work. I I would try not to be too dressed up or wear too flashy of anything or too much jewelry, as that was a concern of, of potentially outing myself. I wasn't really sure if even being openly gay at our company was safe, depending on who I interacted with. And so for me, when you see companies like Bama and you see other companies engage in Pride Month, that message is saying that your visibility is something that we want, that we acknowledge, and it's safe in this space for you to be your whole self. I've had friends in the past who invited their boss to their wedding on a Friday and they were let go of their job on a Monday because I outed them. And so for me, that visibility of pride is providing that space for LGBTQ people to feel that they can be themselves. And it sends a message that we're safe. Wonderful. Damien, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your perspective on this as well. What has Pride Month meant to you and how has it impacted your work and career? Yeah, for sure. And I think very much like Isaac, what I liked about what he just said is really around the visibility arm. So I think that Pride Month, if nothing else, is a great reminder of things that we should be doing and a world we should live in, if you will, the entire year, not just during the month or one month, if you will. And I just guess I go back in time a little bit. This is probably, I don't know, quite a number of years ago. But I remember being in a restaurant and a team member just having a very basic conversation. It might have been something like, what are you doing this weekend? And I remember sharing what I was going to do that weekend. And, and I don't think there's anything overly exciting about what was going to transpire that weekend. But I remember the individual coming up to me a few hours later, and they made a comment to me, and it still sticks with me to this day, but it was something to the fact of, I've never worked at a place where there's been leadership that has been out. And I'm sure that I just made a very casual comment, something about, hey, I'm going out with my boyfriend or whatever partner, whoever at the time. And the fact that they came up to me and that that stood out to them. And they said that they'd never been anywhere else. And they just had not seen themselves visible, if you will, within the workplace in that manner. So it's a good reminder of what to look at. And then taking that step further too, I feel very fortunate that I've been around individuals within the industry that have looked at me as a whole person and that have worked that into conversations as an example. So I think even going back to the wedding example that Isaac mentioned on the other side of that, that I've had folks that I've worked for, or bosses, if you will, that have invited me and my partner to different events and different things like that. And the fact that they consciously make a point of, in the beginning, again, without knowing much, they're making that effort of bring whoever you like and they open mindness to the table. So I think it's a good reminder of this building. Can I add on to that just a little bit, Damien? Because I, you know, I've had those communications as well. And I think specifically for Pride Month and being at Pride with my team members, I think one of the things that came out from just a conversation with the teamer was we didn't know we even had growth. We didn't know that in leadership there were LGBTQ individuals. And so I think 
also, if one is comfortable, the responsibility and the power that you can provide to other team members to say that, you know, there's, there's a lot of stereotypes and misconceptions about QSR or food manufacturing. And here in this organization, you do have a pathway to grow within our organization with bringing your whole self to work. Great. Damien, let's shift back over to you. I'm, I'm curious what Inspire has done in this area. So what programs has Inspire Brands put in place to celebrate diversity and inclusion in your workplace? Yeah, for sure. And it, I guess I'll do a little bit better job of setting up Inspire Brands as Isaac did for those that don't know Inspire Brands, because we're kind of one of the companies that you've probably never heard of that you know, if you will. We have seven iconic brands, includes everything from Arby's to Buffalo Wild Wings to Dunkin' Donuts, Baskin Robbins, Sonic Drive-Ins, Jimmy John's, and Rusty Taco are kind of the brands that's made up of. But with that said, one of the unique things is that we've grown substantially over just a short period of time. And as each of those iconic brands has came together, there's been exceptional best practices that have already been in place with each of them. And those best practices around really diversity, equity, and inclusion. So what we've been able to do is leverage things that are already happening that are positive with the different brands and figure out how do we now get scalability, if you will, and kind of add to what we're already doing so that it works out for everyone. So we have something called a people-first strategy. And really, there's four platforms that are part of that. It's made up really of talent acquisition, upward mobility, um, career pathing, and then really ultimately outreach as a good citizen within our communities. And as part of that, we've been able to pull those best practices and kind of embed it within there. But the biggest one that I'd probably say is really around business resource groups. And what, we've, what we're working on doing, and we're partially there, we're not entirely there yet, but really making these visible groups available to our hourly team members, our management team members, to all folks so that they can either be allies or be direct members of these groups and then help with creating an inclusive environment and allowing two-way communication to continue to happen. I've been proud to be an executive sponsor for both our pride group that we have as well as our veterans group. And it's been fantastic just to see these groups grow and being able to contribute and support the different work that we're doing around our People First pillar. Are you a finance, tax, or internal audit professional in the restaurant industry? Join us July 26th through 28th, 2022 in Dallas, Texas for the National Restaurant Association's Finance, Tax, and Internal Audit Expert Exchange Conference. With an agenda built by professionals in the food service industry, you can expect to gain the knowledge essential to your daily workload and long-term career. Please visit restaurant.org slash finance to learn more and register. We can't wait to see you in person. Isaac, when we spoke a couple days ago, you mentioned to me about a transgender policy that you worked to enact in 2014. I think that's really important for our listeners to know about. So can you tell us a little bit more about that, as well as any other workplace policies that protect and support the LGBTQ plus community at your company? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I think one of the journeys of Bama that we've done, and it's really a credit to our CEO, Paula Marshall, is that it, it's been organic in our DNA. We have everything from tuition reimbursement to homegrown initiatives. We were a second chance hiring organization before it became a 
a common conversation, especially in the state of Oklahoma, where we incarcerate at the highest rate, specifically with women. And so when I came into the organization, it was really about benchmarking best practices and, and really putting a system view around it. And in 2014, we passed not only trans benefits, but we also passed and enacted a transition policy and a transition communication plan. And you have to think about this in 2014 in Oklahoma, in manufacturing, this wasn't a very welcomed conversation. It was a conversation that needed a lot of insights and communication within to make sure that team members knew what it meant and what it didn't mean. And, you know, we talked about worst case scenarios and and base case scenarios about team members going through a transition. And we really had zero issues. We didn't have one harassment issue. We didn't have one hostile work environment issue because we put that communication plan thoughtfully together. Um, And so that's kind of like my token to fame is putting that in before any other company in Oklahoma did so and doing the right thing by our team members. And so I think for organizations and, and when we look at the Supreme Court decision in 2000 that protects sexual orientation and gender identity expression, we have to remember that there are multiple states that don't have those policies. And those policies on a state level help to continue to mitigate discrimination and harassment. And it's equally important to have those policies within your organization, because the one thing that most millennials and Generation Z look at are your policies. They'll look at your website, they'll see if you have a page dedicated to inclusion and diversity, and they may not even take the job interview if they don't see themselves in that organization. And so what that policy does, or those policies do, and these programs, Pride Month, you know, these Heritage Months, Women's Month, et cetera, et cetera, Veterans Month, all these policies say that we are inclusive to every identity and that we welcome and we leverage that talent within our organization. So they're critically important to have highlighted and to continue those initiatives. If I could just add to that ever so slightly, and it's very timely, actually just a few hours ago, I received an email from someone that was hiring a new team member to join our legal team. And they had reached out to me for support and had asked, this individual had approached them and asked, what types of resources and support do you offer for folks that are in the LGBTQ plus community? And they're reaching out really as part of our business resource group of what can we do then to support them and showcase our environment? And I think that you're seeing more and more folks that are in the talent acquisition space that are looking for places where they can belong. And obviously we all know this within the restaurant industry that it's a very competitive landscape. So being able to offer that as well as have resources available is critically important at this junction. Great. Damien, while you still have the mic there, can you speak a little bit about how you think restaurants and the industry as a whole can make a bigger impact on inclusivity? Yeah, I guess I'll start off with one of the unique things or neat things about our industry, I think it's an awesome thing, is that from a frontline team member perspective within the restaurant industry, we're extremely diverse. And something that I think we all can be extremely proud of. The challenge I think that we see across the industry is as you continue to go up the ranks, you sometimes have less diversity with each level as you go up the ranks. So it's one of the opportunities that exists for us within the industry is to figure out and try to crack that nut, if you will, on how do we maintain and help diverse folks be successful as they continue to move throughout the ranks. And I I say that as in, 
you look at other industries that sometimes have a homogenized entry-level workforce, and hence you would almost expect a homogenized senior level, that's not the case with our industry. There's tons of opportunity there. And I think that both Isaac and I can relate from this perspective of the MFHA is a great resource for folks within the industry that is actively working towards providing resources, as well as best practice sharing amongst different organizations and restaurants to support having a diverse workforce. Great. Isaac, similar to that question, how can restaurants create more inclusive environments for the LGBTQ plus community? And also, how can we increase visibility and create that level of psychological safety? For sure. And so I think that comes to something that probably Damien's a lot more of an expert than I am. And that's that's training and opportunities to expose team members to different cultures and different identities. So there's a Dr. Yoshino does this great review on covering in the workplace. And most people cover some form of identity in the workplace. For example, President Roosevelt would make sure that he was seated so that he could cover his disability, but make sure that his straight male identities were to the front before meeting and and negotiating with individuals. And so we find that most groups, they cover in some form or fashion in the workplace. And when you provide things like emotional intelligence, conflict resolution, unconscious bias, those type of things allow for what we call micro-affirmations. So opportunities to allow someone to take that cover off and feel more comfortable in that workplace, which leads to psychological safety. So for example, right now on our call, we all have our names and then we also have our pronouns. And that's a very subtle way of saying, hey, I have some level of education around specifically trans education. And then that might lead someone in the workplace to feel more comfortable. And that comes from training and also exposing yourself to different communities. And so that's what I would encourage looking at, you know, Pride Month, it should be an extension of those opportunities to expose people to different communities, not just within this one month where we get to have a cool float and, you know, go through a parade and and have a lot of fun, which is needed. We need to celebrate that. But how do we sustain that within our organization? And how, as an individual, do I want to keep my education moving forward around a specific community? Damien, shifting over to you, As we kind of wrap up this conversation, looking forward, what do you hope our audience takes away from this discussion today? Two words come to my mind, one of which is probably authenticity. We've had some conversation around that, but visibility being the other one and kind of just going back to the reference to psychological safety. At the end of the day, in order for your team to feel psychologically safe or secure, they need to be able to show up as their whole selves. From a visibility perspective, it's obviously important that leaders within an organization demonstrate inclusive behaviors. And this could include things through their vocabulary. It might be in the messaging or even nonverbal cues, I think oftentimes kind of leads you down a direction or path and then ultimately into the environment that's created. And it could be subtle things such as even pictures. Are you just pictured if you're out? Are you pictured with someone of the same sex or are you, who are you pictured with and stuff? One thought that kind of comes to my mind, some folks may have heard this. There's a short story that I'll share from Lauren Esley, and it's the starfish story. I'm not sure if you've heard of it, but it's basically the story of a young girl walking along the beach, and she sees thousands of starfish that had been washed up from a terrible storm. And when she came to each starfish, she would start picking it up, and she'd start throwing it back into the ocean. And people were watching her and wondering, why is she throwing each of these back? There's literally thousands of starfish. And 
someone asked her, little girl, why are you doing this? Look at the beach. You can't save all these starfish. You can't begin to make a difference. And at first, the girl seemed a little crushed, suddenly deflated. But after a few moments, she bent down and picked up another starfish and hurled it out as far as she could into the ocean. And then she looked up and she said, well, I made a difference for that one. And as the person looked inquisitively at the girl and started thinking about what she had said, that person then picked up a starfish on their own and threw it back into the sea. And soon others started to pick up starfish and throw them back into the sea to save them. I think at the end of the day, it just goes to show that each of us has the ability to change the world for the positive. It's just one step at a time. That's a great story. Thank you for sharing. And it also really shows that there's power in doing things together, doing things as a group. So Isaac, anything to add as we wrap things up here? Yeah, I think one of the things, and, and not just specific to LGBTQ, but but any identity or community that you're curious and, and wanting to learn more about, which is encouraged. But I think also the the one thing that happens from that, the byproduct, is that sometimes the LGBTQ person is, is not the ambassador to all LGBTQ people. And, and it can be kind of sometimes draining on that person to have to answer questions. If you have a rapport with someone, go for it. If you have a rapport and, and you have a friendship and you have genuine curiosity about their life. But if you don't, there's this great thing called Google that you can start educating yourself on some of the challenges that our community faces. Um, also, like Netflix has monthly highlights on documentaries and specific genres that you can look into. So I would encourage don't unintentionally make that person from a marginalized community, the ambassador or the educator for you, take it upon yourself to expose yourself to those communities and do the research. And then if you do have rapport, then of course, we can go have drinks and have some small talk. Wonderful. Isaac Rosha and Damien Hamp, thank you so much both for your time today and for speaking to us. This has been a really insightful conversation. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it, Carly. Are you a finance, tax, or internal audit professional in the restaurant industry? Join us July 26th through 28th, 2022 in Dallas, Texas for the National Restaurant Association's Finance, Tax, and Internal Audit Expert Exchange Conference. With an agenda built by professionals in the food service industry, you can expect to gain the knowledge essential to your daily workload and long-term career. Please visit restaurant.org slash finance to learn more and register. We can't wait to see you in person. Thanks so much for listening to Order Up, the podcast from the National Restaurant Association. Follow us on your favorite podcast player and find out more at restaurant.org slash podcasts. Episode produced by Dante32.